let Sam and Dan back with the Discipleship Garage. And today we're talking, uh, we're going to continue our talk on identity. Uh, we're going to take a look at redemption and some of what it means to actually believe. Heavenly Father, as we start off this time, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for the wonderful gift that you gave us in your son. We just ask that you would, God, that you would just open your word to us, that you would teach us, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that every word spoken, every word heard would be your intent, would be your message, would be your truth. We don't ever want to speak outside of you. We don't ever want to speak of our own opinions, of our own thoughts. We just want you. So Holy Spirit, just ask you to bless this time for each and every person listening. I ask that you would that you would just open their hearts, their ears, uh, to not just hear and learn, but to hear and actually receive and be transformed by the things that they're hearing. And we thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in our last episode, we talked a little bit um, just kind of about um, the value. So we've been talking about our value and kind of the, what we have. Um, and last we talked about the image of God, that we're actually created in that image, and that image was lost. Um, but now what we find is that there's actually a plan to bring that image back, to bring that image back. Um, and one of the words is redemption. Um, we find it um, one time in Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven. And it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, father therefore you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir of god through christ now there is a lot in um, those two verses that we read sam what's something in there that jumps out to you um the redemption part okay what about redemption just like we were, we weren't, like, we used to be complete, and then we lost that completion. Okay. But God sent his son to get us back and restore us to our completion. Okay. What does redemption mean to you? Um, to restore back to original value. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, that's, that is what the heart of redemption is. It's that we were lost. Um, we were actually... We were more than just lost. We were actually slaves to sin, slaves to the devil, because no matter what anybody tries to say or think, there's only really two options in life. You're following God or you're following the enemy, which would be the devil. Um, that doesn't make you a devil worshiper. It doesn't make you a Satanist. It just means that there's not another, there's no, there's no path in life that says, oh, I get to do it my way, because actually that was the devil's mistake to begin with. That's why he actually got kicked out of heaven because he said, I want to be bigger than God. I want things my way. And that's what Adam and Eve did. They said, uh, God's way is not good enough. We're going to do it our way. Um, well, basically we're going to do what the serpent says because it sounds better to us. Um, so there's no other way. There's only two options, either with God or without God. And without God is with the devil because he runs all that. So we're actually, we actually lost, we're actually born into slavery to sin. And God actually paid a price that says that when at the right time, God sent his son, that was Jesus, born of a woman. Um, Jesus was born under the law, so he came in um, and was under the rules, the regulations, all that stuff of the Old Testament, where it showed time and time again that people um, can't get it right. Um, that's probably a good side, probably a good sidetrack for just a second. 
So when we look at the Old Testament, we see all these rules, we see all these things, and we see time and time again the nation of Israel trying to follow the rules, trying to follow God, and it lasts for a short time and then it falls apart. Um, we see that over and over and over and over in the Old Testament. And really what that does is it goes to show that rules can't make us better. Rules can't actually make things right. Rules can't make us, um, can't get us closer to God. We can't earn our way there. And that's really what a lot of the Old Testament shows us. Um, at least some, there's a lot of other good stuff in there, but that's one of the things that we see. But Jesus was actually born under that law, into the law, into those rules, in that structure. And he actually did what no one else had done. You know what that was? Never broke them. He never broke them. Absolutely. He walked them out perfect and complete. Even um, even if the Pharisees would have, were saying, you've broken this law and this law and this law. Yeah, and they got and, and the Pharisees got caught up in a lot of the rules. Um, they and the thing is, Jesus understood the heart of the law. He under he was the law. Um, he he was all of it in one, and he realized what it was. But the Pharisees they were so caught up on following this rule and that rule and this rule and that rule that it was just they overcomplicated stuff so much, and then they would lose their minds if someone broke not just one of the laws, but actually broke the traditions. And Jesus even called them out on that a couple of points in time. He actually called them out on making um, making the the law of God of no effect because of their traditions. They had traditions and rules that they made up that would actually like overrule the things that God said. And it got kind of weird and wonky. We still run into a lot of that stuff today, and we'll probably revisit that. We'll probably visit that in an episode in the future when we talk about like religion and all that legalism stuff. Um, but the last part of Galatians um, chapter 4, verse 7, it says, um, Therefore, um, because of what we read before, because of what Jesus did, it says, Therefore, um, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Got some thoughts on that, Sam? Yes. Go for it. So we, yeah. so we were slaves. But we were also sons? No, we were slaves. Okay. But now. Okay. So we were slaves, but now we're sons. And we're heirs. Then an heir of God through Christ. So thanks to Jesus, we can be in the same authority and power as God, right? Yeah. We get we have we have access to that authority and that power. And one of the really neat things is um Jesus is called the Son of God. And this scripture says that we are also sons of God. So it's it, it's family. Um it's just like it's like we're being brought back in. We're brought it's that redemption. We're redeemed, we're brought back in and we're given all the authority. And it says, and one of the great things right at the beginning, it says, therefore you are no longer a slave. So now we're free. The, the, the bondage we had in sin, the slave, the slavery life that we lived to sin, to do what it wanted. Now we are free. Look, you got a thought on that one. Anything? Like for some reason, when we were talking about that, my mind went to the prodigal son. Okay. What about him? He was a son, and then he was like, give me my money. I want to do it my way okay. instead of Yahweh. There you go. And he went off and did what he wanted to do, 
that ended up to bankruptcy and eating what the pigs ate. Mm-hmm. And then he went back ready to be a slave, but he would, when he was a son, and his father took him back and restored him uh, to what his original value was. Isn't that kind of what God does with us? That's exactly what it is. I mean, that's a, that's a great parable that does show. It shows a lot of things, but it does highlight the redemption. Because even when we were in bondage and sin, we're still create we're still created in that image. We're still created in God's image. So we still have all that in us. Um, but just like the prodigal son, he was still a son, but he was out he was out living apart from that. He wasn't living the life of a son. He was living the life of whatever party I can go to tonight and whatever I want to do. So he was living that life. And in that place, um, he ended up, like you said, eating with the pigs and he came back and he was willing to be a slave. But his father brought him back in um, and he restored him. It was that redemption. He brought him back as a son with all the rights of a son. So we see all these great things that happen in redemption. But the next question we've got to start looking at is just so, okay, so how do we get there? Um, what is it really, how do we get back that if Jesus paid, if, if Jesus paid this, well, isn't everybody just a son? If Jesus did this on the cross, doesn't everybody just get this? Sam, thought? Why? What has to happen? We camera shy. I'm coming up with a blank right now. <laughs> so I get it. No, camera shy just a little bit, but um, no. So it's so even though Jesus did this and paid this price to redeem us back in, the reality is. It's just like the prodigal son. He was still a son. He just wasn't living in it. So we don't have any of the rights or benefits of what Jesus did unless we actually choose to follow him and actually believe in him. So he did it. It's there. It's available. Quite, quite frankly, every single person you will ever look at, you will ever meet, is in God's image. He loves them. And they all, we all have the same privilege and ability to step into what God has. But not everybody's living in it. Um, and if we don't walk in that, if we don't step into that, and if we don't actually pursue that and have that relationship with God, then, well, what Jesus did doesn't actually matter for us at that point in time when we pass away. Um, but we look at John three sixteen. Um, it's a verse that really kind of everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of people know uh, by heart. We're going to add verse 17 to it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, and it goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world, through him, the world might be saved. So our salvation comes through Jesus. Um, but there's a, there's a key part in there that really kind of says how this happens. What is it saying? Can I ask a question first? Go for it. What does begotten mean? Begotten mean? Um, created. Okay. So it was, it was created, or I shouldn't, it's not even necessarily created. It was just kind of like there. It's in the original. It's kind of like his only. So it's his one. It's his only begotten. It's his one and only. It's the only son he's he's got. Not really necessarily made, um, because well, God didn't make Jesus. Jesus just kind of was. God, Jesus was with there, um, but he did he did um, uh, put him into Mary. Probably the best way to say it. Um, he did put him to earth and give him flesh. So that that's where that is. But it's that begotten. It's that it's that producing. It's it's the one that was there. Okay. Um, it's just so. But back to the question. 
What was uh, the question again? I'll tell you. Um, so we see all these things, but what's the what's the key point in those verses of really how we get um, get the benefits and get actually get what God actually accomplished through Jesus? If like if we believe, but but it's not just believing like oh yeah I believe in Jesus. It's not just that. Like, can I bring up? Go for it. Okay, so this what I'm kind of saying is gonna tie into James two nineteen twenty and twenty. Uh, you believe that there is one God, you will, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man? That faith without works is dead. Even though we may believe, we still may not have the faith. Okay. So how do we? How do you know the difference between um, between just like oh yeah I believe I believe and a belief that leads to faith? Faith is walking it out. Okay. Believe God. No, you're fine. Go. Believing is just. I've seen so many people be like, I believe, but they don't walk in their faith. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, in John 3, 16, a lot of people are, a lot of people know it. Um, and they say, and a lot of people say, I believe, I believe, I believe, but what do you, the, I mean, a bigger question is what, what do you believe? Cause it doesn't say that it doesn't say that you should just have to believe that he existed. It doesn't mean just believe that he died, but it says believe in him. So we need to actually believe in in Jesus, not just believe about Jesus. Because if you believe about Jesus, okay, yeah, Jesus died on a cross. He paid a price for my sins. I'm forgiven. I get to go to heaven. Woohoo, party time. But that's not what this is saying. It's a belief in because the devil the, the devils believe. I mean they believe they believe probably better than most people do because they were the they're the ones that were defeated. They know the power. They know the authority. They know what Jesus accomplished. Which is why they're fighting so hard to get all those people that look like God away from him. But belief is actually something that actually changes what we do. I mean, I can I can walk to the Grand Canyon and believe it's a long way down um, and that I'm going to die if I hit the bottom. But if I keep walking towards the edge, doesn't matter what I believe, I'm still going to end up in trouble. But if I believe that the Grand Canyon's a long way down, dangerous, and I'm going to die if I hit the bottom, if I believe that... Well, and I don't want to die. I'm going to take a turn and I'm going to stop walking towards it. So we've got, we've got to kind of really work that out. It's not just, it's just not a mental, a mental agreement. It's not me just saying, yeah, I believe that he lived. I believe that he existed. When we believe in Jesus, we actually believe that everything he did, um, everything he taught is true. And if we believe that what he taught is true, then we have to like, kind of like, take some of the other stuff that he said and actually put it into practice in our lives. We've actually got to start walking out what he did. And it's, it's not just a matter of, Oh yeah, I believe, I believe, I know, I know because you can know a lot of good stuff, but the Bible also tells us that knowledge can puff you up. It doesn't actually like help us any, but if it's just in our heads, but we've actually got to do something with it. Um, we're going to kind of um, dig into that more in the next couple of episodes, probably. Um, but we've got one verse we want to wrap up with. It's actually, we're going to read it out of Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, um, but the exact same verse is found in Mark 8:33 and Luke 9:23. Sam, you want to go ahead and read that one for us? Yep. 
Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires. desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is probably, I don't know if it's my favorite because I like, I like so many of them, but it's probably in the top 10 of the verses. But if I had to like pick one that I probably share with people like more often than not, the one that is like, is like most shared, it would probably be this one. Um, because I get into lots of conversations about people like talking about following Jesus and stuff like that. And this is, this is really where it all starts. So for years and years and years, it, it started with, um, pray this prayer, admit you're a sinner, pray this prayer and you get to go to heaven. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm not saying, well, it, it's not in the Bible that way. Um, but I'm not saying people haven't gotten saved that way. I'm not saying that a whole lot of people haven't like got awesome relationships with Christ from that. But when we really lay a good groundwork, a, a good solid foundation and start in the right spot, it helps things out along. Um, and really the biggest thing is, um, it's that, it's that first little bit. If anyone desires to come after me, actually, I just saw something there actually first has to be a desire. It's a, it says, if anyone desires to come after me, this could get deep for a minute, Sam. So, because this is the first time that I've actually seen this in this verse, which is just kind of fun. Yeah. So it says, if anyone desires to come after me, it doesn't say if anyone desires to go to heaven. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't say if anyone desires not to go to hell. It says if anyone desires to come after me. So Jesus has the invitation, but in order to follow him, there actually has to be a desire first. And there's a lot of people that don't want to go to hell, but they don't have a desire to actually go after Jesus. We'll let that one soak in for a second. You got any thoughts on that one? Because that's a pretty big one. And you're smirking. Uh... One of those dumbfounded moments. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that we, we could camp on that one for a while. And we'll probably actually come back. We're going to come back to this verse. We're probably going to launch off of this verse in our next episode. Um, but we're going to let the, we're going to let that one drop for a second. And we're going to move on. So if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. So denying yourself. What does that mean to you, Sam? For me, it's. Stop doing what I want to do. Do what God wants me to do. Mm -hmm. And that means if God tells me to do this, but I really want to do this, I don't do this. I do this gotcha. with what God's telling me to do. Now, you've been walking this out for a little bit now, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're a 13-year-old boy. I'm just getting to middle. You're halfway through middle school. Um, living... A fairly normal life. I mean, we're a little odd, but other than that, a fairly normal life. Normal as you can get. As normal as we want to get anyways. Yeah. But I also want to ask you a question because this deny, this deny yourself thing, because a lot of people would think, well, that means I don't get to have any fun. I don't get to do. Life's going to be a bummer and a boring as you drop your head as I ask the question. I've had people say that before. Do you have any fun? So so as, as a 13-year-old boy, not as a 42-year-old man, but as a 13-year-old boy, what are some of your thoughts on well, if I don't get to do what I want to do, and I've only got to do what God wants me to do, my life's going to be boring and a bummer. What are your thoughts on that? Honestly, I don't go into it with that headspace, it, like with that mindset. If I go into it with that mindset, it is going to be that way. Okay. Because for me, if I 
it's just like doing the dishes. If I get this mind, I if I get this mindset of, oh, dishes are horrible and I don't like to do them, they're not going to be as much fun. But if I try to mix it up and throw in a few fun things in there, like, okay, sharing about the gospel, telling people about Jesus, it just brings joy to my heart. That's what makes me fun. I, that, that's what's fun to me. And yes, I, I still, I still spend time with my family, and that's really fun. I, I still play with my army men. That's really fun. So I can still have fun while I'm following Christ, and I'm still denying myself because Jesus had fun. I'm sure. He, he didn't just go off and be all serious like <clears throat> he he had fun he enjoyed what he was doing even though even through the rough times mm-hmm. he still had joy and i, I okay this, this may be getting into a little bit of a rabbit hole but happiness and joy they're different things absolutely you only you can you can find happiness for a little bit of time, mm-hmm. but you can find joy for a long period of time if you find your joy in the right thing. Yeah. Which would be what? Jesus. Yeah. So that I mean, you and you hit on it a couple of times. You said the word joy, and joy is one of those things that it's not even a, happiness is a feeling. Mm-hmm. You get happy because of your circumstances, and you get sad because of your circumstances. But joy is one of those things that just it it it's just there. It kind of just dwells in us. It's something that's actually given to us by God. And really, you kind of hit on it as you're, uh, with some of the stuff you were sharing, that joy actually comes, just in some, some different words, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but joy comes from actually walking in the purpose you were created for. And we were created in God's image um, to let that light shine, to, to shine that on the earth and to reproduce that image. Um, so when you're actually walking into what you were created for, you're, that created purpose from all the way from the beginning there's a joy in that. There's a satisfaction in that. And our life is by no means boring. Um, it's by no means boring. It's by no mean, means a bummer. There's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of fun. Um, but in the midst of everything, it's, it, the focus is still Jesus. It's not, it's not us. Um, I mean, really for me, that whole denying yourself means when I take this step, when you actually choose to say, yes, I'm actually going to come after G- follow after Jesus, that never again is my life about me. My life's not about what I want. It's not about doing what's what I think is going to make me happiest or what's going to get me further ahead. My life is about him and his kingdom. And that's the focus, which is why Jesus said, seek first, um, seek first his righteousness. Uh, sorry. It's, um, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. All those things we need come when we put him in the right place. Um, so we're going to kind of wrap this verse up and we'll kind of wind things down. Um, so it says, um, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Um, we're going to jump back into this next time, but just a, a quick overview. A cross is an instrument of death. Um, scripture also calls us, calls us to um, present our, our bodies as living sacrifices. But there's, there's things in us and there's parts of us that just need, really, they just need to die. The fleshly parts of us, those desires that we have that aren't of God, they just kind of need to die. So we take up the cross, which is an instrument of death. Which means, it means I don't even expect to live anyways. My life's not my own. I lay it down. Whatever. Here it is. 
Um, and then it says, and follow me. To follow Jesus isn't just saying, oh yeah, I believe, I believe, but it's actually to walk in, walk in his footsteps. The disciples didn't like, didn't stay home while Jesus was out on his journeys and say, oh yeah, I follow Jesus, I follow Jesus, and just hang out with him every couple of, couple of days when he stopped through town. They were with him. They walked with him. Um, they walked the same roads. They slept under the same stars. They ate the same meals. They shared all that together. They did what he did. They walked with him. So that's part of what's following him. Um, so that's a lot. Um, folks, thanks for hanging, hanging in there with us and uh, um, being patient with us as we still kind of work out this dynamics of having both of us on here. Um, we're learning, we're growing, and we're loving every minute of it. I hope this is something that blesses you and strengthens you. Um, we just really appreciate you taking the time to tune in and watch. Sam, would you close us in prayer? Yes, sir. Thank you. God, thank you for this time that we could spend in your word. Thank you for all that you've done for us. And I just pray that whoever's listening is to this is going to help them. I know it helped me. Uh, so just help it help others, I guess what I'm saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all have a good day. Yeah.